This week's podcast brought to you by Garden Gnomes. You've been away. I've been making the kids dinner, and our son declared a moratorium on chicken. We couldn't have chicken for the next five days. He's had a lot of chicken, I understand. And uh, I forgot about this and bought dinosaur nuggets and brought them home, cooked them, and realized we can't have chicken. And when he didn't complain and gobbled up 20 of them, I realized, does he think this is dinosaur meat? As long as he eats it. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. The biggest thing I worry about when I go on the road and I'm about to leave for almost a week is what you're feeding the kids, whether it's chicken nuggets or dinosaur nuggets or whatever. So this morning I went to the grocery store and I I stocked you up. You've got meals prepared for, I think, five of the six, six nights I'm gone. And actually none of them are chicken. So that's a good thing. Although the last time I did this, I came home and you hadn't cooked most of them. (laughs) They were still in the fridge. So... Hopefully, before I leave, I'll, all of them, all, all they require is being stuck in the oven and heated up or cooked. So hopefully you'll be all set there. When in, when in doubt, dining out. That's my, <laughs> it, that, that in Latin is my motto. You know, one of my producers at ESPN, Riv, he was talking the other night. He makes, he's the one who does all the cooking in the house. And so when, and he travels, like he'll be at the final four with us. And when um, he said his wife, when she asks for his schedule, if he's working during the day, she's like, oh, I don't care about that. She just needs to know when he's not going to be home to make everybody dinner. And then on those nights, she orders out or, or does whatever. But I, I like that. It would be like if you were asking me, I don't care about your work schedule. How are, <laughs> are you going to be here for dinner? Well, I did make it. Into the round of 16 this year before making microwaved White Castles. That usually is a round of 32 meal. I've gotten deeper into the tournament this year without see, doing it. I must say that the kids love it. But That uh, tells you how much I've been gone. I have I had no idea. I didn't even see the box that they come in in the recycling. So that, that that's just an indicator of me not being here very much oh, recently. We ate the box. <laughs> That's why the frozen pizza box says instruction one is remove from box. Right. That, that because was what people I... <laughs> like me and our kids are ravenous enough to eat eat the box. We don't have time to open it. I also was at Subway this week, which is deeper to the tournament than uh, I think I've ever gone without resorting to Subway. And was this just for you or for the whole family? It was just for me. And when I walked in, the guy behind the counter, young man, was telling the guy that he was serving at that point about a previous customer, and he said, and I quote, so the guy said to me, can I get cucumbers on that? And I said to him, on your meatball sandwich? No, no, you cannot get cucumbers on that. <laughs> what are they, the sandwich police now? Yes. They can tell you what you can or can't have on, on your sandwich. I love the purity of that, though. He's right. Yeah, well, even pickles, no pickles or cucumbers, neither of them sound appealing on meatballs at all. He was basically doing an intervention. 
to his customer. Yes. Well, actually, this brings up something else, because if I've been gone, even if it's for a few days, usually after we've had dinner, there's some sort of leftover. I put it in the refrigerator. And oftentimes I come home and not only is the leftover not eaten, but it's still in there, just taking up space in the fridge. Do you ever, like, what's your thought process when you open the fridge and you see a Tupperware container that has some food in it from however many nights before? Do you ever consider throwing it away? No, you know full well my thought process. The thought process is leftovers or garbage that we are refrigerating until the following Wednesday when the garbage comes to pick them up. You we don't, don't want them. We don't want them becoming room temperature in the garage. You don't ever enjoy leftovers. It depends what they are. Well, that's the thing. Like if I think everything, most things are are good as a leftover. But what about things that weren't good the first time well, around? Well, then if there's something they, that is universally not enjoyed by the kids and you, we tend to throw that right to the garbage. That doesn't happen that often, does it? <laughs> or does it? <laughs> or does it? As you look at me with that look. Why has the dog gained 20 pounds in the last year? (laughs) Speaking of the dog, that makes me think we're lucky, very lucky in our family that none of us, you and I, nor the kids, have to take any kind of daily medicine. Um, Our kids take their daily vitamin, but that's it. None of us have to be, you know, on any kind of medicine. Metaphorically, I take my daily medicine. Right, right. And... uh, Maybe a month ago, we we had our, our dog had to have some blood tests taken, and uh, we found out she has hypothyroidism, or hyper, I don't know which one. But anyway, she now has to have a half of a pill in the morning and a half a pill in the evening. So we now have to remember to medicate our poor dog. <laughs> and, I'd be uh, curious to know, how do you do that from the road? How do you medicate the dog from the road? Well, I'll, I'll cut the pills in half for you, and I'll remind you to give her her... Uh, to give her her little pill and it's, you know, wrapped up in a little tiny slice of cheese. And uh, she's great about taking her medicine. I put a hot compress on her head and a thermometer in her mouth. (laughs) She's on her back in bed. And a warm water bottle in her crate. And I rub Vicks VapoRub on her belly. (laughs) So, yeah, we have our our poor sickly dog. Um, But it makes me think of that because one of the reasons our vet wanted to test her for that was because she had gained weight, even though there was no reason for her to have gained weight, and um, other than our, our seven-year-old feeding her under the table. But uh, that was the, that was one of the indicators. So now she's leaning back out, our, our lovely dog. If it's, if it's possible to go off topic when there is no topic. Yes. Do you remember anything better than the school sick day? We've talked about snow days, I think. I don't know that we've talked about sick days, but the Vicks VapoRub, the, the uh, orange St. Joseph's children's aspirin, that was, I, I, I assume, a placebo. The we I remember the, the orange. The price is right. I remember the orange aspirin. My mom never used Vicks Vapor Rub, and I, I've had I had a ton of teammates who used to talk about how whenever they got a cold, their mom would put the rub right on their chest. We did. I don't even think we had any Vicks Vapor Rub in the house, but we did. But was she, we would have. Was she actively against Vicks Vapor Rub? I don't know. It's just not something that she used. But we would have aspirin, the children's aspirin. And cough medicine. That used to be a big one. I have vivid memories of being a kid and being awakened in the middle of the night so my dad could pour some cough medicine down my throat so I would stop coughing and and apparently keeping them awake because I wasn't awake until they woke me up to give me the cough medicine. I have vivid memories of waking up in the middle of the night and seeing my dad sitting in the dark drinking cough medicine <laughs> just in his, in his Archie Bunker chair. Was it... On the rocks or not on the rocks? I don't know. Straight out of the bottle? It was just a straw (laughs) stuck in a thing of Robitussin. 
<laughs> oh, gross. I do remember, was it triaminic? That was also the, that was the orange. Like Robitussin was tasted disgusting. And then triaminic, I don't even know what that was for, but it was orange. And I remembered that that actually tasted good as a kid. Triaminic is one of those words. Is it a brand? Is it, a, it's is a, it an ingredient? I think it's a brand, right? Uh, I don't know. Chloroseptic. There's all those things that certs with retsin. It's two, two, two mints in one. These special ingredients, Folgers flavor crystals that were so enticing as a kid and uh, car commercials were that way for me too this is this is completely uh out of the blue but the the magical phrases in car commercials rack and pinion steering steel belted radial tires anti-lock brakes and uh all that stuff it was either in a car commercial or in the uh the prize description on a game show. I love that stuff. I still have no idea what rack and pinion steering is. Is there any steering that isn't rack and pinion? I don't Are there know. any radials that aren't steel belted? I have absolutely no idea. I don't even know what a rack and pinion is or a rack. Can you have a rack and a pinion separately or do, or do you have to have a rack and pinion together? Are we still talking about cars? <laughs> yes, I think we are. By the way, I just saw a photograph of Weird Al Yankovic, who was I think was performing at the Beacon Theater in New York, posing with a fan who has his shirt off, and you just see the fan's back. Weird Al's face is next to the man's back, and the man's entire back is covered with a back-sized portrait of tattoo of Weird Al, of just Weird Al's face. So here's Weird Al in person, Weird Al in the flesh, and tattoo Weird Al on this guy's flesh. And I was wondering, any fans have a similar tribute to you that you remember tattooed? Good I know you've got plenty no. of uh, paintings, no, but there's dolls, a, uh, there's artwork. A, there's a fan in Chicago. Not that you know of is what you're saying. Right, yes. Not until you get yours. There's a Besides fan, me. Yes, yes. There's a fan in Chicago, the Chicago Sky fan. And a few years ago when Elena Deladon was there, this fan showed me the, the inside of her forearm. And it was a tattoo of Elena Deladon's signature. After a game, she asked Elena to sign her arm, and then she went and got Elena's signature tattooed on her arm. And of course, last year, Elena was traded to the Washington Mystic, so... And more dis- disappointingly changed her signature. Yeah, right. So no, that this, though... <laughs> Did it come of, with a th- certificate of authenticity right. from Steiner Sports? Right. That was tattooed on the other forearm. But uh, one of my favorite conversations that took place a week or so ago in studio... Maria Taylor and I were in there with Coach Landers, and and we were talking, something about tattoos came up, and oh, Maria has a little tiny cross tattoo, like on the inside of her wrist, and she said, you know, if I was going to get a tattoo, I wanted to be able to see it all the time, and one of us said, you know, that's why when people have the, the tattoo on the on the lower part of their back, uh, you know, you don't ever see it, and and the phrase tramp stamp came up. And the conversation ensued while Coach Landers was trying to understand what exactly tramp stamp meant. And uh, and for people who don't know, Coach Landers lives on a, on a working farm. He works his farm. He has a... What uh, is the name of that farm? I don't know if it's Andyland. That, that, <laughs> it is. But I think it if is. If it isn't, it is. It, it, it ought should to be. be. But he's got cattle and uh, beef cattle. And, and we went and visited it this, this past... Uh, fall. But anyway, so Maria was trying to explain to him what a tramp stamp was. And somehow she thought the best explanation was to say, it's like if you had a barn and the door was always open. <laughs> Your heifer could go in and out whenever she wanted. So anyway, I don't know. 
that that's that's your I tattoo you were of Weird Al I, has, has taken I, me to Andy I, I Land. I thought you were, he was going to say, oh, you mean like this, and he had branded himself. <laughs> Actually, I think that's what Maria said. It's like if your calf was branded. Uh, but no, it's more no, if what the, you said the was, barn door was if open. If your heifer is going if in your and heifer, out. Yes, that wasn't. It was actually if the heifer is staying in. And, but anyway, um, that's how we uh, that's how we describe tattoos to Coach Landers. <laughs> Before we came down to our basement to start recording this, I was scrolling through the Twitter my Twitter account. My at replies were full of a couple people having a conversation that I don't even know why I am added on it. But at some point. I was put on this conversation and it's people going back and forth. Somebody who says, you know, UConn plays in a terrible conference, you know, that somehow in their mind diminishes their accomplishments this season. If they played in a better conference, they would have a, you know, harder time getting to the final four. I don't they, know. They I don't probably know what they, wouldn't have won the conference and wouldn't have qualified for the yeah, tournament. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea what their argument was, but it was, but it was a lengthy conversation between, I think, three different people, somebody who was pro Yukon, somebody who was anti Yukon, somebody else. I have no idea how I was how I was part of it, but I was just trying to scroll through and, and wish there was a way I could get out of it. And it made me think about reply all emails. I would join you know I've had my AOL account forever since I got on, on email. I would switch to a new email server if there was no such thing as the reply all. If I was never part of a reply all chain, because I don't know any instance where I think you need to hit the reply all instead of just to reply to whoever sent it. I, I can understand sending a group email because I do that to my basketball parents or whatever, but there's I don't think there's ever a need to reply all. So when somebody sends an email, can you bring potato salad to the basketball banquet? Uh, you don't reply to all 35 people on the list? You've been stuck on those, haven't you, as a parent I of can. like, you know, well, for Little League something even or better, other? Or? When, when you're tagged in a Twitter thing like that, how else do you get to overhear the conversation of strangers without going to the airport? Now you can be in the privacy of your own home and listen to the babbling of people you don't know about things you don't care about without having to leave the house. Doesn't that sound awesome? And and the, the thing I like the least is kind of the group text because all of a sudden your phone starts going, you know, if, if the alerts are on, ding, 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 as all these texts are coming in, because of a group text, that's another place where, I mean, sometimes I've been on a group text where it's three of us. That's that's acceptable, but like eight or nine or ten, I'm not a fan of that either. You're you're never in group text. I don't because like, nobody I don't like reaches out to text you. Individual but, texts. Yes. That's individual true. emails, or phone calls for that matter. Yeah. Well, good for us. We can just text each other, email each other, and we'll be happy. Well, you were texting me last night on your way. You were driving back from Albany. You were being driven back from Albany. Yes, I was being driven back or else in, I wouldn't in, have been a, texting you. In a luxurious sedan, a town car, right? <laughs> yes, it was quite luxurious. It was It was a nice car, yes. You don't have your driver's license, do you? <laughs> Has it been suspended? I No, I've never gotten a speeding ticket. Why the, Well, right. That's so, why you have your maiden name on your driver's license. Why were you being driven back? So I could watch... The game. So I, I was going back and forth between Albany and home because I was calling games in Albany, but also had commitments in studio. And so we were the first games on both days. And so as I was getting driven back, I was able to watch the game on the awesome ESPN app. While the driver was watching a different game. Yes. And uh, 
And actually, the service between our house and Albany was surprisingly really, really good as we drove through the Berkshires. But anyway, the reason I was texting you last night, there was nobody else on the road. It's not a highly traveled route. When we were on the Mass Pike between Albany... It's not a highly traveled route? <laughs> route. It's not. It was us. It was generally just us on the on the, on the the turnpike. And then occasionally there were some 18-wheelers. May I, may I pause for a second? Yes. Are we about to have an Uber confession? Um, yes, but it's my confession and not the Uber driver's but, but, confession. But, oh, okay. oh. So, so we need the music. Yes. Well, do we have do we we've had taxi cab confessions, we've had Uber confessions. This would be I think our first Uber passenger confession. Not, it's not an Uber though. It's oh, a no, town it's car. It's town car confessions. Actually, that sounds a little better, but but we'll still stick it in the um in the segment of Uber driver confessions. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call So as I'm getting driven home, we get off the highway and we're in a town that normally from our house to the highway, it's a 15 minute drive. And my driver was driving slower than I don't know what. We were at one point, I looked. Molasses? Yeah, yes. Table syrup. We were driving slower than table syrup. He was going 20 miles an hour. And we were the only ones on the road. And I, at one point I looked and the, the speed limit was 30 miles an hour. So we were going 10 miles below the speed limit. And at this point I'd been in the car for about an hour and a half and I just wanted to get home. It was after 11 at night, just wanted to get home. But what am I going to do? I'm not going to ask the guy to go faster. Clearly there was a reason that he was not comfortable driving faster. I don't know if he couldn't see because it was late at night. I don't know. Although when we drove through towns, it seemed to me like he was trying to, like he would turn to the side and crane his neck, trying to see what the buildings were or the stores were or whatever. If this were an old movie, you'd have handed him a $10 bill and said, step on it, mister. Yes, right. Exactly. So, uh, but anyway, he was perfectly pleasant and nice. He just drove really slow. On my ride from the first time I went out to Albany on Friday, my driver, we're driving, I get in the car and we're driving for a little bit and I asked him where he had come from that morning because it was early in the morning and he told me where where the company was located. And then I said to him, um, oh, do you live in Hartford? And his response was no and put his earbud in. So it was like the opposite of Uber driver confessions. He was shutting me off with the simplest question. Did, do you live in Hartford? No. Earbud in. Clearly, he. we had zero conversation the rest of the way, which was fine with me. I had a, I had plenty of work to do in the car. But, uh, but yeah, it's interesting. So town, you, you, car, you, town car drivers don't talk. Uber drivers don't stop talking. But I think you've, you've done that to many people on airplanes. You've stuck the headphones on after a monosyllabic answer. And perhaps this guy was seated next to you on an airplane once and tried to talk to you. You put the headphones on, shut him down, and now he's been waiting years. Could be. What was interesting, though, is like usually if somebody said, do you live in somewhere, you usually, if you're going to say no, you then tell them where you do live. He just said no, and it was clearly implied, and I'm not going to tell you what town I live in. Boom, earbud in, conversation over. And if somebody says they do live in Hartford, that usually is a conversation ender. Right, that's true. But at least Where do it's you an live? answer. Delaware? Oh. I once knew someone from Delaware. I once drove to Delaware. <laughs> and I got Home her of name. Home of duty-free shopping. And I got her name tattooed on my arm. 
But perhaps I'll change my mind on, on a lot of this stuff. Maybe I'll start liking Reply All or the group text because, you know, I think a few podcasts ago I mentioned how I don't like flowers, but I saw some beautiful tulips at the grocery store maybe two weeks ago and I got them. Tulips, if I have a favorite flower, it's tulips. And I brought them home and I put them in a vase on the kitchen table and they were lovely and they lasted for a week or whatever. So today when I went to the grocery store, I also got another thing of tulips that are on the kitchen table. I'm hoping they're still alive when I get home next week. But anyway, I've decided that I do like tulips on occasion. So From the grocery store, but not 1-800-Flowers. Well, that's just where I was and where I saw them. But yeah, so for Mother's Day, if you wanted to get me a nice little thing of tulips and to put with the truffles, you'd be batting 500. Well, we're pressed for time this week. You have to fly out today. Tonight, yeah. Tonight. So let's... Which is why if I had gotten home three minutes sooner last night, if that guy had gone a little bit faster, it would have made all the difference in the world. What would you have done with those extra three minutes? I would be packed by now. I would have all of my game prep done. I mean, it would be it would be glorious. Or we'd have three long, three more minutes of, uh, of the podcast. Well, let's get right into viewer mail. Okay. Well, this will take us hours to answer anyway. Double I. We have a, a, a listener in Connecticut writes, Today, while I was reading The Passion for Palm Sunday, hmm. I was distracted by a double I. 30 denarii, D-E-N-A-R-I-I, paid to Judas to betray Jesus. Not a word you can work into a sentence every day. Interesting. I was at Palm Sunday Mass on Cape Cod with the kids. You were absent and... I didn't notice that. I was following along, but I didn't notice that Were part. Were you? Because you really daydream a lot in Mass. I'm not sure I'm the only one. No, I mean, everybody daydreams in Mass, but to say that you were following along in this case, be... In this case, I was, I was positioned between, I had two kids on either side of me, and I was constantly refereeing a sword fight with the palms that had been handed out. Right, right. Also at that Mass, the priest invited everybody, anybody who wanted to, to parade around the perimeter of the interior of the church, following him in a procession, which I would say half the people did, including two of our kids. Two of our kids said, no way. So there's this snake line, conga line, going around the entire church, which at the start of Mass, which was interesting because the latecomers into Mass then were filling in the recently vacated pews oh, where the people the in the procession... Yes. <laughs> so those people then had to find... So I found myself in the position of saving my own kids' seats, but we were not aisle sealers. That makes me think. You were in the Cape, at the Cape. I was here because on Sunday I was going in to work in the studio, so I went to, to church here. I actually got there a few minutes early. Five minutes into Mass, a couple came, so I, I happily moved down to the middle of the pew. But at the end of Mass, and the Mass was a little bit longer be, than usual because it was Palm Sunday, at the end of Mass... I needed to get out of there so I could drive to Bristol. And uh, I was stuck because, you know, I, I, always, I always leave at least for the, wait at least to leave for the priest to leave. But the priest had left, but there was still a lot of song to be sung. And the people, the latecomers and the other person on the other end of the aisle were absolutely not going to leave. And so I, I got to the point where I had to go to the end of the aisle and say, excuse me, so I could get out. And so I could leave before the last few bars of the song had been sung. But your word with two eyes in it, this past weekend, 
the Buffalo women's basketball team has a woman whose first name is Lisa, L-I-I-S-A. Her last name is Ups, U-P-S. Anyway, she is originally from Australia. Lisa Ups? Lisa Ups. Basketball player. Yes. How great is that? Is her nickname Big? Right. Well, I think they go, she, she has a twin sister who's also Ups. Um, neither of them, we asked them about it, neither of them actually have Ups, but they said they like, they'll go that they're UPS because they always deliver their three-point shooters. But yes, Lisa with two eyes. The first thing I thought of was uh, words with two eyes. Lisa Ups from Buffalo. At the 1992 Winter Olympics in Albertville, France, the great French ski jumper, Steve Delope, S-T-E-E-V-E. Three E's, two consecutive, and Steve. And Where from was that he from? moment, France, I wanted to change my name, still do, to Steve with two E's. How cool is that? I just like that the reason your name was Steven with a V instead of a PH was because your dad thought it would be faster to spell that way. <laughs> Why not just STVN, like a, right. like a license plate? So he certainly wasn't going to give you the extra E. No, but, but we were talking about aisle sealers, and uh, Denise in Connecticut sends me an article from America Magazine, the magazine of the... Jesuits. And a Jesuit priest, Jack Bentz, B-E-N-T-Z, Jack Bentz, S-J. I always thought if I became a Jesuit, I would be S-J Russian, S-J, and be kind of palindromic. And for that reason, I probably should have. But Jack Bentz, Father Jack Bentz, S-J, writes this article, Dear Regular Mass Goers, the seats at the end of the pew aren't for you. This is from February of 2018. He talks about his uh, being on the road and going to various parishes over the course of this road trip and people handing out bulletins when he walks in. At one church, he was given a ballpoint pen and a coffee cup when he came in. That was nice. I was being officially welcomed, but it was not working. Why? I think it's because I had to climb over people to get into a pew. Seriously, this happened time and again in churches that were empty except for the ends of the pews firmly held against all newcomers. He goes on and on, but the point is, I don't think the priests on the altar realize that the parishioners in the pews are sealing off the aisles. He talks about empty daily masses where the only people in the, in the church are on all of the aisles, sealing right. off all of the aisles so that he has to climb over them to get past them. And he does say specifically, he doesn't count families in this, families with kids who have to go to the bathroom. Well, what's interesting is church is the and one believe place- me, every kid has to go to the bathroom as soon right. as mass starts. Church and maybe college lecture halls are the only place where it fills in from the back first you know, if you go to a concert, you go to a sporting event, you know, everybody wants to be up front to to have the best view, to have, you know, to be closest to whoever's performing on stage. Church is the one place where uh uh-uh, I want to I want to be in the back. Do you think that's just because people are afraid at some point a priest is going to call on them, even though that's never happened? Or they just want to have the fastest exit strategy? I think people want the fastest exit no matter where they are. And, and I think they also realize that the priest is unlikely to throw them a guitar pick or a pair of drumsticks. <laughs> Although that would be pretty sweet. The, uh, our son asked the other day, you know, we were at mass and he said, where's the band? I said, well, the band is at the 1030 mass. The, uh, it's the organist who's at the 8 a.m. And the band, though, as if it's some, <laughs> some act, you know, up there with their electric guitars and whatever. It's a folk choir and they're very good, but... I wouldn't necessarily call them the band. <laughs> Andy, the accountant. Is Andy, he signs his name, Andy M., the accountant. Could he be the, <laughs> our, our staff accountant? We have a staff OBGYN. We have a staff uh, 
We have Wyoming well, Wisdom. He has to send multiple Gmails before he could be considered the staff accountant. We also have to have him audited himself before he becomes How our is he staff having accountant. time this time of year to send us an email? He writes, <laughs> do you have any favorite references or phrases from earlier years that you still use in everyday conversation? Presumably phrases that nobody understands because they're so outdated. I, I commonly use brainiac to describe someone who usually isn't. I may also say, who am I, the shell answer man? I don't think anyone under 30 knows that reference. Do you know that reference? <laughs> the shell the answer man? No, no, not shell the answer man. It's not like Larry you, the Cable Guy or well, Cedric the Entertainer or Chance the Rapper. Shell the answer man. But what's this guy's name again? The accountant or yes. the shell answer no, man? the accountant. Andy. Andy. That's what, why I'm thrown off. Andy the accountant. Shell the Shell answer the answer man. man. So what we've got it? Cedric the Entertainer, <laughs> Chance the Rapper, Larry the Cable Guy, Young the whatever, and... Shell the Answer Man. But what is it actually? <laughs> My mind It's the is... Shell Answer Man. Okay. You don't remember the Shell Answer Man? No. For for the better part of 40 years, the Shell Answer Man would answer your automotive questions on on TV and commercials. The Shell Answer Man, if you had... Did he ever answer, what is rack yeah, and Yeah, if you had a question steering? about your rack and pinion steering, your your 40-weight motor oil with the viscosity and thermal breakdown. Remember that on, on, on oil commercials? I do I think they still that. do that, yes. Viscosity and thermal breakdown. There's this phrase that just pops into my head from commercials. Um, the Shell Answer Man would answer those questions while giving you a warm feeling about Shell Oil. I don't want anyone giving me a warm feeling. What do you What do you mean? Shell, well, it, shell the Answer Man. <laughs> all I know is if you type 710-77345 in your calculator and turn it upside down, it says Shell Oil. That was a great thing. I mean, obviously, boobies was the first thing everybody learned. What was that to, one upside down? Uh, it's uh, in your uh, book. I know you know it. But 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 uh, <laughs> but Shell Oil was the second one that you could do that with the. Uh, but yes, of course, I have a million outdated references that I use on a daily basis. Only ten minutes ago, I said slower than molasses. Does anybody know? I mean, even I have never seen molasses. Trying, to, I don't even know what molasses are. I've certainly never had molasses. I've never. We have molasses upstairs. You've never had. You've had a molasses cookie. I've never. Have you had, never not, seen? Not knowingly. You never seen a jar of molasses. No, I've never. I, I, where would I have seen a jar of molasses? In our pantry. That's where you would have seen a bologna. jar of molasses. We don't molasses. have a jar of molasses. We don't have bologna in our pantry, but we do have a jar. My of bologna molasses. has a first name. It's Osierra. There's a reference nobody would understand. All right. And when this podcast is over, I'm going to take a picture of you holding the jar of molasses. This podcast will never air. I know it's so bad. <laughs> I, I, there's another commercial reference that, that, that I think of that I also, at least I use as a reference in my head. Do you remember the commercial, Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful? Yeah. Was that a commercial? Yeah, for Pantene in the 80s. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, and, I do and, remember And the that. woman who said that was Kelly LeBrock from Weird Science. Ah, yes. That was a great movie, Weird Science, by the way. Chips, Dips, Anthony Chains, Whips. Michael Hall. Your typical high school party, yeah. yes. And, and, and I frequently think that when I'm walking past a mirror, by the way. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Oh, I thought you said chips, dips, chains, yeah. and whips. <laughs> that's well, too. that's an interesting mirror. <laughs> that's too. Um, but yes, Andy, I, I have many of those references. And I do know that the shell answer man, or as, as Rebecca refers to him, shell the answer man. <laughs> Sheldon was his full name. Since we're talking about molasses and then table syrup, Laura sent me a, tw- uh, a tweet and it said, she and it also sent me a picture of her grocery store shelf that had table syrup on it. And she said she was almost tricked, but our podcast saved her. So I feel good. I saved someone from accidentally buying table syrup instead of real maple syrup. 
If after cramming 50 of these podcasts into our, into our schedule over the course of a year, if we've saved one person from buying table syrup instead of maple syrup, I think we've, we've done our job. Well, we have because of the Golics reminded people to change their air filters, which reminds me that was that before Christmas? It was. It was before Christmas that the Golics came over and Mike Golick changed our air filter in the basement. But we also have an air filter up in the attic, but we didn't have any extra filters to replace that one. So I immediately ordered a bunch of filters, which are still sitting in our on our dining room table because you haven't yet replaced the air filter in the attic. Are you going to do that at some point? I don't remember how to do it. I've got the video. So we'll watch the video of Mike changing the filter with your help. You helped him, but you still don't remember how to do it. When I get back from the Final Four, can that be your Easter gift to me? But Changing if, the air filter in the attic, please. If if I do that, then there will only be 45 other things on the dining room table. Could we talk about the dining room table? I know. It's it, a disaster has it ever, right has it ever served as a dining room table? It's just a table. It's just a, a mail sorting room. It serves as a dining room table once a year on Thanksgiving. So why do, we, why do we call the thing that it does once a year? It's a crap catcher. 364 days a year. Yes, it is. And but but that, that wouldn't that wouldn't sell in the Ethan Allen catalog? The crap catcher with matching chairs? Upholst- you can choose the upholstery? Tell them about it, Johnny. <laughs> or what's his name again? Shell. Shell the, the answer, man. answer Man. <laughs> Tell them about it, Shell. <laughs> Miss Rebecca writes, resident OBGYN, Dr. Gary Siegel. Miss Rebecca, as we say in the South... While the germ theory of disease dates to 1546, parentheses, source, Wikipedia, I heartily endorse your theory regarding germs. I heartily, what? H-A-R-D-I-L-Y. Oh, not hardly, heartily. Yay, tell me more. I think this is a typo because I think he means hardly. Okay, well, still not tell heartily. me more. Those ubiquitous wipes are pretty much not needed for most people in most places. This is a doctor we're talking about, yes. okay? And more importantly, your story regarding the new pacifier that needed boiling for Siobhan, the metal rail-looking baby. Yes. As she'll forever be known now, I suppose. Your story regarding the new pacifier that needed boiling for the metal rail-looking baby, for those who may not remember or have heard. This is actually a nipple of a bottle that that we decided we didn't need to boil it because we needed to feed her. But then, because you pointed out the week before, she was licking the seats at the airport. Right. Brought to mind an old article from a maternity magazine that 25 years ago caught my eye. The article sat in my bedside table's drawer for years until we downsized last year. In the article, geared towards new mothers, there was a clever definition of one word for each letter of the alphabet. I can only remember and paraphrase the letter S, which could also sponsor a podcast. This podcast could be sponsored by the letter S. S is for sterilize. Sterilize, what a mother does to her first baby's pacifier by boiling, and to her third baby's pacifier by wiping it on her pants. <laughs> oh, that is so perfect. Yes, absolutely true. And since we have four, God knows what the... And uh, it is, it would have been heartily. He was accurate. He is endorsing my... Let's he's hardly be, endorsing it. Let's not be ridiculous with our germophobias. Phobia. Carol writes, she's our resident band nerd. We have a resident a lot of things, right? We do, yes. She was performing at a concert some time ago, a date unspecified, on a ticket that was distributed to the public where the was the phrase, doors will be open to the pubic 30 <laughs> minutes prior to start time. The barn door will be left open at Handyland. <laughs> in case the heifer comes in and out. Well, there is, that, there is that thing about one missing letter can really 
can really throw you off. I posted yesterday on Twitter a spelling test. Your spelling test from May of 1981, you were seven years old, about the same age that our youngest is now. And the reason- I noticed that she had a spelling test that she brought home yesterday that she has to study for a spelling test, and it contained the words nutrients and some other ones that were not- Not the words I was dealing with. Well, I hadn't seen this little spelling test in 30 years. I don't know how long, but my father- has been cleaning out a bunch of stuff and he found a trunk that my mother had full of pictures and other things and so of mine my sisters and my brothers so he's getting rid of all that stuff by sending it back to us it just and leaves it there, our house and in there was this spelling test from when i was how old seven years seven old? years old you yeah. got 10 out of 10 but of the one correction that the teacher made was the only word you had capitalized was bird they're all error words bird shirt twirl flirt, that kind of thing, skirt. The only one I capitalized was bird. Presumably thinking that it was a reference to Larry. That was, that As was. the Celtics were on, on weeks away. Oh, and Larry Bird uh, was my. A couple of weeks away from winning the NBA title in and 1981. That would have been when I was watching every weekend, would have been watching television with my dad, would have been watching the Celtics. Um, and it, I think the date was on it. I think it was in May. So it they was. would have been in the, the heat of the. Right of the basketball season nearing the playoffs. So but without question, that's why I somebody re- Somebody replied on Twitter that his son recently brought home a spelling test. I don't know if it was recent or not, but it had the same word shirt on it. And his son had left the R out of shirt. And he said, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did it on purpose. <laughs> oh, did he get extra credit for that? I certainly he, hope uh, so. Uh, from dad, I assume. Yes, right. On the same note, Harold Markley writes, Har- Harry from Minneapolis. And you'll be interested to know that this is Harry from Tom, Dick, and Harry. Oh, nice. Harry writes, Steve, knowing that you're in the writing profession, how do you react when you find the following in publications? One, typos. Two, grammar errors, errors, or should I say grammatical errors? He's correcting his own grammatical error. In his, I like that he, he numbered his list, but the list is only two things. <laughs> so I would say to his question that if you're, if you're writing a sentence that has only two elements in it. You don't need to make it into a list. How do you feel about typos and grammatical errors? That would be a good question. So you're criticizing Harry for his... I I would have preferred if Harry had said, uh, how do you feel about the following? One, typos, and B, grammar errors. Right. Uh, Do you get mad? Do you laugh? Do you need to share the error to a fellow writer who would appreciate your finding? Well, if they're funny, if, if, if it's like the ones we just read then I do enjoy sharing those. But having been a fact checker at Sports Illustrated the first two years of my life there, we lived in terror of errors getting into the magazine. And for obvious reason, um, they wanted to instill in you that if you become a writer or an editor, not to let errors into the magazine. Also, they didn't want to be sued. And uh, so for many, many years, I would feel sick when I saw even a typo, but certainly a factual error in any publication because I know somebody was getting roasted for it. Well, not anymore. I mean, just think about the news as it is these days. Is anything fact-checked anymore? I remember when I was a senior in college, Rick Tellender from- Did you just, did you just use the phrase, these days? <laughs> I don't know. I may have. Um, Tellender came to campus in stores and he wrote something the on me. The great Rick Tellender. The great Rick Tellender wrote something on me for Sports Illustrated. And I remember, bef- you know, however many weeks after- maybe a week after somebody called me and it was a fact checker and they went through like every little thing. Is this true? Is this true? Did you say this? Did you say this? And it was a lengthy conversation. It was my first experience realizing that there's such thing as a fact checker. And if only everything, if only every fact 
could be checked these well, days. It would be a better world. We can devote several shows to my tales of fact-checking at Sports Illustrated. They are... They are uh, you know, that would have been 1995. You would have been a writer for Sports Illustrated yeah. at that time, right? Just, just think of how different our lives would be. I wonder if they would be different if you had been assigned that story on me. Like if, we had, if I had met you in 1995, I wonder what that would have been like. I, I I'm could, glad I didn't, but I wonder what it would have been like. Had you met me then, I'd, I'd, I'd still be buying dinosaur nuggets, but I'd be eating them myself. <laughs> I like the version of you I met when it was, what, how many years later? There's only ever been one version. This is this is me 1.0. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, there are no upgrades coming. Well, it's a, maybe it's a, the cleaner version. But Harry from Minneapolis, Harry, Harry, Harold Markley. This H- is not Harry. H- it is Harry from Tom Dick and well, Harry. Well, of Tom, my brother's Tom. Right. So is this the same? Either, is this the same? Harold is either Dick or name? Harry. No, this is the. I'm sorry, this is the same one. It's just occurring oh, to me okay. as I'm looking at. His last okay. name is Markley, and if Tom Dick and Harry ever becomes a hip hop, branches out, Biz Markley. That's another reference. That's that another many ancient reference. Won't get, yes. yes. <laughs> <sighs> okay. By the way, well, that makes that there was there was a there was a there was a uh, VH1 used to do these programs. I love the '80s. I love the '90s. And in their "I Love the '90s," they had a little thing about you and the start of the WNBA, and they have then these talking heads who who talk about whatever the subject is. And Bismarcky himself talked about his love of for Rebecca Lobo on that program. Do you remember that? I do remember that, uh, and that brings me to another tweet that somebody sent to at ball and chain pod marianne said is the song him and i by halsey and easy g halsey it's halsey halsey oh (laughs) is the song him and i by halsey and easy g grammatically correct it sure gets in my craw but i'm not really sure so the song is him and i by halsey how do you know it's halsey and not halsey what because are you listening I'm, to I'm, when I'm, I'm on the road? I'm alive in 2018. <laughs> I've never heard of Halsey. You've heard of Halsey, and you've heard Halsey. I, I, I probably have heard Halsey on the radio because our kids are in charge of the music when I'm in the car. But I don't know who Halsey Do you know is. Why? I don't know what Halsey looks like. I don't. Know. I don't. I don't. Don't know what is Halsey, Halsey looks like. Is Halsey a male or a female? Halsey is not. It's not Halsey Hall, former Twins radio announcer. Who is it? It's a woman named Halsey, and. The thing I know most about her is her real name is Ashley something, and Halsey is an anagram of Ashley. So it's not spelled (laughs) H-A-L-Z-Y? It is not. (laughs) Well, that's how the person spelled it on Twitter. So how is it actually spelled? H-A-L-S-E-Y. Well, if I haven't just told you it's an anagram of Ashley. I know who that is. You have no idea. I have no idea. Who Halsey is. You know, was, you know who I Halsey is? I Halsey is married to Shell the Answer Man. I thought it was a man. Uh, I'm, and you know what? I'm fine with that. Was there? What was the question about that? Oh, is was, him and is I? Is the song oh, oh. "Him and I" grammatically well, correct? Well, I think you know the answer to that. Of course, it's not. Even when, even when musicians or or pop singers or anybody for that matter tries to be grammatically correct, they they blow it. So the default is is there's a One Direction song, "You and I." Daughter's a big. I one know Direction One fan. Direction. I know that song okay. very well. Even that is grammatically incorrect because. There's a lyric that says, nothing can come between you and I. Yeah, that's wrong. Is it, though? You don't actually know. No, it is. My mother was an English teacher. She always made sure we corrected those sorts of things. Must have been a fun dinner table. (laughs) Yes, as we were eating our dino nuggets. 
At least we had real food. Well, we've got a lot of questions questions about language this week. Myra writes, uh, your discussion of subject pronoun disagreement has prompted me to ask about a different grammar issue that's bothering me probably way too much. Since it's about Minnesota sports, maybe you can provide some insight. The twins have a new slogan, and she uh, includes two graphic examples of this. Um, this is how we baseball. This is the twins' new, pr- new slogan. This is how we baseball. But, uh, seriously? That's terrible. Seriously, and there's a space between baseball. I don't think it's terrible. This is how we baseball? This is how we baseball. I mean, clearly the, the the words were rearranged at the printing plant, and it wasn't meant to be that. But it's it has all the elements of of an actual slogan. Below is an example. Below are examples. Questions: Is baseball one word or two? It's well, one word, right? It's one word, but it used to be two. So I remember I'm I'm old enough to have been to Tiger Stadium as a sports writer, the old Tiger Stadium, not Comerica Park where the Tigers play now, but the old great nineteen. 19- 14 Tiger Stadium, 1912 Tiger Stadium, forgive me. The new, and and, and it said on, on, on the Tigers' offices, Detroit Baseball Club, baseball two words. And across the street from that was the Checker Cab Company. It was like something preserved in amber from 1912. The Checker Cab Company and the Detroit Baseball Club. But she asks, is is base a verb or is it referring to an actual base such as first base? Or has baseball become a verb? Well, some years ago, Plate became a verb in baseball. They're now plating runs. You're aware of this? No. You know how people plate food in a restaurant? I do. In the same way they crumb a table. The waiter will crumb the table right. after you're done. I like to crumb I like to take a credit card out of my wallet when we're finished eating in a restaurant and crumb the table myself. If we go to Starbucks, the kids get some crumbly thing. I will crumb the table with a cr- I, I crumb other people's tables. Is it okay? Do you mind as my spouse that I crumb other people's tables? Crumb away. Do you have anything to add to this discussion? I did, but then you started talking over me, so I stopped talking. I did? For real? Yeah, you do that a lot. Okay, let's, let's, I guess the evidence will be on the podcast. It will, but, but finish whatever you were talking no, about. No, no, go say what you were going to say. Well, but it's sort of out of context. I was just going to throw in that when you were talking about the old ballpark and the new ballpark in Detroit, that I was with you at the new ballpark, and we had to leave during the seventh inning of a, was it a no-hitter or a perfect game at the time? It was a perfect game, I believe, yeah. Because we had our daughter who was an infant, and we needed to get her back. She was exhausted and fussy, so, so we had to leave. But, it was, but it was just going to be a quick story. Or, I'm and, sorry. And then, you could, and then you could finish. So, But now, no, you're, you're talking no, no, no. about Well, in the seventh or eighth inning of a game at Detroit, we, we left. Our infant daughter was screaming, and, and to my everlasting, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and to my everlasting relief, we heard a big cheer go up as we were walking to the car. We were outside the park, but on our way to the car, Pudge Rodriguez actually had gotten a hit to break it up. And we didn't miss it. It's amazing. I have, I have no memory of who they were playing or who broke up the, the no-hitter, even though I do. Pudge Rodriguez is one baseball player who I am very aware of. So. And, and, and I have no memory of you or our infant daughter having been there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you didn't remember why you left. No, no. But, uh, yeah, baseballing as a verb, it's, it's, it, it, for some reason it reminds me of, I hope baseball doesn't become the last sport where we use the word baseball for everything like like in golf that's a great golf shot well of course we're watching golf what other kind of shot would it have been basketball uh, lord knows you've never said anything like this as as an eminent basketball broadcaster but some others might say um, you know they have to take care of the basketball or or uh, they need they, they're they need really to play shooting both the basketball sides of the basketball they're really shooting the basketball well what else would they rebound be shooting rebound the basketball rebound the basketball yeah. we we know it's a basketball we know it's a golf shot 
Uh, do they do it in football too? This guy can really hit the baseball. I haven't heard that yet, but I, I hope, of course they do. They've got to take care of the football. Oh, right. So you should just say, what should they say? They, they the ball. To, they have think, to take care of the ball. I think we should we should trust people to know what kind of ball they're playing football with. That's fair enough. They should really listen to Ann Chain. <laughs> I notice in like youth soccer, at our kids' practice stuff, they always say, uh, you know, uh, okay, hold on to your soccer ball. Hold on to the soccer balls because that's for obvious reasons. Right. Because if you don't have soccer in there, it's a whole different sentence. Well, that's the truth for basketball, too. Hold the basketballs. Well, yes, but not if you're broadcasting a game. He's really shooting the, oh, the right. basketball. Yeah, that's well, true. If, you're, so. if it's a sport with one ball, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so I have had people ask how the dishwasher is doing. Last week, I was so proud of myself right before we came down for the podcast that I had fixed the dishwasher. Well, unfortunately... I was wrong. We did run the dishwasher, it was dry, and then a little later in the day it was wet again. So we had the plumber come out to fix what I clearly hadn't fixed in the dishwasher. But I feel a little bit better about things because after he left, we ran the dishwasher a couple times and it's still not fixed. So the comp- the problem is so complicated because our plumber is very, very good. The Doug problem, the plumber. The problem is so complicated that he's going to have to come back a second time. I still think... I did something that was beneficial, but I indeed did not fix the dishwasher. So in the name of modern conveniences, I run the dishwasher, and then I wet back <laughs> the dishwasher, which has four inches of standing water well, you, or, or, or recumbent water. Right. Usually usually I run the dishwasher. I load it. I'm a... I'm a I think this, I would this, consider this, myself a PhD in dishwasher this, loading. This isn't like the Nest thermostat. You can't run the dishwasher from Detroit or Columbus. No, no, Ohio no. But when from, I but, from but I had been home. I ran. The, I was running the dishwasher, emptying it, because all the dishes would get clean and they would also be dry. And then you would have to wet back the four inches of recumbent water out of the bottom of the dishwasher. By the way, can somebody invent the Nest dishwasher that not only runs the dishwasher remotely, but loads the dishwasher remotely and, and unloads empties it? it? Yeah, emptying it is the is the part that you dislike so much, the top rack. When it it's it full used to of be, stuff. but I, I, now it's, 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 it's it. wet-vacking the dishes that, right, I, that I dislike the most. <laughs> You're not wet-vacking the dishes. You're wet-vacking the bottom of the dishwasher. I want to add that the the viewer mail that we got for, about the aisle sealers, the person who sent us the uh, article about from the Jesuit magazine about people sealing the aisles at Mass. Yes. That was Denise in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I think we've solved a mystery of the podcast. We were wondering why there were so many listeners in St. Pete, because we get to see a breakdown of kind of cities where a lot of people listen. St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Petersburg, Florida. And that was by far and away our number one place that people listen to the podcast. Well, as of March 1st, it completely changed. St. Pete dropped to like third or fourth as towns in Connecticut increased, Glastonbury being one of the primary ones. And so clearly it is people who spend the winter in Florida and then in early March, come back to Connecticut, one of the big places being Glastonbury. And um, that's that has solved the, the St. Pete puzzle, our, our demographics, or at least the, the geographical location of our listeners has been impacted greatly by the snowbirds. Let's end today's viewer mail and today's podcast with uh, some Wyoming wisdom. 
from Josh in Wyoming, our friend Josh in Wyoming, who used to sell Kirby vacuums door to door. And we asked him if he had any stories about selling Kirby vacuums door to door to let us know and and let us know he did. Uh, <laughs> he and his partner would drive door to door and, and try to get, gain entrance into the house by demonstrating the Kirby vacuum. And he found after a while that they were only demonstrating the Kirby vacuum on shampooing carpets, uh, carpets that were filthy. And it was an easy freeway for people to get their carpets cleaned. So he had this idea to, to uh, give away Comet or Ajax household cleaners. That gained them entry into the house. And now they're... they're Enter entry into a house of people who actually on occasion cleaned their own floor. Exactly. And so the home office wanted to see this dynamic new sales strategy that they came up with. And they sent people out to supervise, to watch this. The guy sent out to, to observe was wondering if this was truly effective, if anybody could do it, if they could replicate this, and if so, could they prove it? And so Josh got a new college guy in the van that day who had a great sense of humor and was overflowing with confidence. His name was Jason, and he promptly volunteered to demonstrate this sales technique. The first three houses he talked to, he got a, a rep in for a demonstration, and he was pretty sure he was the man. Bill was impressed. I guess Bill was the supervisor and told him so, which made Jason even more bulletproof, more confident. So the next house... Jason knocked on. Nobody was home. This house had lots of lawn ornaments out front, including a flower garden of cement yard gnomes positioned doing various garden duties. Jason walked down the steps and, for some reason, jumped into the flower garden and started humping a yard gnome. This caught us Those all Those were Josh's words, not yours. <laughs> These were Josh's words. I'm just doing a dramatic Morgan, it's not very dramatic, Morgan but it, Freeman but it is. reading. Not, not George oh, I'll, Foreman. I'll try to make it. Not George Keep Foreman. Going. This caught us all off guard, and we were all laughing, including Bill, who was in the front seat. Well, we looked back at the door, and Mrs. Smith is standing in the doorway with her arms crossed, glaring at Jason, who was, has his back to her. Well, we start laughing harder, and Jason thinks it's his antics and takes things to the next level. He's spanking the yard gnome, howling like a dog, and really working the cement gnome over. Again, <laughs> Josh's words. At this point, Mrs. Smith steps out of the door and says, Can I help you? Jason wheels around totally surprised, gets tangled up with the gnome, and crashes down into the flowers. We're dying in the van, and Bill is laughing so hard he, is, he isn't making any noise. Jason, Jason stands up and says, My name is Jason, and I'm with the Rainbow Vacuum Company. Parentheses, our competitor. And there... And there and they're $1,900. <laughs> and they're $1,900. Would you like to buy one? <laughs> no, I would not, you pervert, Mrs. Smith said. Now get off my lawn. The irony of this statement, Josh writes, is that what you, Rebecca, say on ESPN has made me laugh ever since I heard you guys say it. Get off my lawn is a catchphrase you use on ESPN now. That's become our catchphrase, get off my lawn. We have to ask Josh, whatever happened to Jason, because... Jason is going to be a success in life, first, because he's clearly got a great sense of humor, and second, I mean, how key was it for him to say he was selling them for the Rainbow Vacuum Company? This was 22 years ago, so I imagine he's become a success at this point. Well, I'll say this to Jason and anyone else who might do something like that to my garden gnome, get off my lawn. Tom, Dick, and Bismarck Lee, play us out. Sing, 
says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.